Hi, this is Calico from MissCalico.com, and the podcast you're listening to is for adults only. Uh, we do this out of the kindness of our hearts and the emptiness of our wallets, so if you like what you hear, and you will, please support Axe and the Massacast by going to Massacast.com and clicking Donate. Uh, yes, thank you to two people who have donated to the podcast in the last couple months. If you'd like to join the many fine people, you can go to massacast.com and just click on the little, you see on the upper right, little donate link and you can go from there. Ah, such a busy day, so I'll just get right to it. Uh, today's guest, Submiss Ann, who uh, we're talking about pony play. That's pony play is something that I've I've seen, I've wondered what's the, what, it's, it's, it's amazing to see, but what's the big deal? Well, Submiss Ann has written a book called Pony Play with Submiss Ann. It's on Amazon. She's got an amazing story to tell about how she got into it, and uh, it's pretty self-evident. You can, t- you can see why someone would be uh, drawn to this. And that's something I, I hope to do in the future, is more, more of the kinks that I personally am little experience with, little knowledge of, and uh, and hopefully, you know, it'll be an education experience for both of us. So here's Submiss Anne. All of her links and info can be found on Massacast.com, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. I was born and raised in California. And you still live there now? Yes, I live in Los Angeles. There was this really great moment where I was sitting at my desk and I realized that I lived in L.A. longer than I had in the Bay Area. And I was like, well, I guess I like it. So that would make you a Los Angelian? I have no idea. Elaine? I'm not sure. My, I've never a been. California to, girl. I'm a California. I've girl. never been to LA, but I have heard uh, Randy Newman's "I Love LA." Yes. And that doesn't paint it in a very positive light. <laughs> Whereas San Francisco, you have Journey, you have Huey Lewis singing songs about San Francisco. That's true. Uh, it sounds like the better choice is San Francisco. But you obviously feel differently. You either love L.A. or you don't. It takes a certain type of person to really love L.A. <laughs> <laughs> to- and, and I really get, you know, and I love Randy Newman. Um, you know, he's sarcastic. I'm a huge fan. So you, you grew up in San Francisco. We'll, we'll t- we're going to talk about pony play. That's going to be our big, our big thing. But mm-hmm. uh, we want to try to find the genesis of how you became kinky. We were talking before the microphone came on. That you, you were in San Francisco and didn't even know you were kinky while you were in San Francisco? Correct. I didn't know that there was kink. I didn't even know there were gay boys. How did, how did you live in San Francisco and not know? Um, at the time that I was growing up, uh, that was, I was just behind the hippies and the uh, Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a time when you could go to a math conference and you can't go home because the National Guard has blocked off your home. So you had other things distracting you from right. the activities. From the acti- you ah, know. Okay. And I was always just trying to, you know, play my flute. Um, That's not a euphemism. You were actually playing the flute. I was actually a flautist. Right. I was, I was a musician. And, um, and educate myself. I looked at um, smart men. I looked at uh, men as... I looked for smart men that I could date and suck their cock in exchange for having them, you know, tutor me in physics or calculus. I would, I, I you know, they were great. How you, did you, how did you, did you have an ad? No, I just, uh, Stephen, you, attention, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> no, they're, well, they were fascinating. They were fascinating to talk to. They would be very passionate about whatever it was that they were into and uh, it was very clear to me that the education I got in my school was nothing compared to the you know the men that I met at these math conferences or physics conferences I mean they knew like worlds of information more than in school I would think you know you're an attractive woman you don't need to wouldn't guys just be if you said hey I'm interested in learning about you know uh, the Pythagorean theorem or something like that, they would just be, oh, yes, let me tell you. You don't have to give them oral sex in order for the, or you, you, that was Probably just a bonus. Probably not, but I like sucking cock, and I thought it was a fair trade. Well, there you go. So it's a win-win-win. Yeah, exactly. 
So I was how, also very horny. How did you? I, I was always very horny. So, so. so how did you? How did you bring this exchange up to them? Did you say uh, that's very interesting. I read your paper. I'm interested in learning more. Let's go back to your hotel room. Or how did? How did this? Or it just no, remember happened? this was like you know junior high and high school. Oh, okay. Um, no, I was very forward. I, I would like talk with them. I would somehow get in a, you know, very naturally there would be some kind of attraction or I would ask a question and I would be like talking to them. And for me, my attraction to men was always, I was like turned on by their mind, turned on by their talent. Right. You know, and, um, and once I got turned on, I wanted to suck their cock. Yeah, it was just sort of like that. So I, when I was in high school, I went to an, like an academic decathlon type of thing, right? Where it, there was different, different categories. So it wasn't just math. It was math, science, it was literature. And I remember going to this and not once did I ever think that there was an opportunity for me to uh, have sex with anyone. But that, that kind of speaks to my entire high school career as well. But that it sounds like the exact opposite experience of what I think most people experience at, at math as, their, as, a, as a mathlete or something. As a mathlete. Well, I guess the other thing is, is that I was also very clear that you didn't want anybody in your own school. Uh, I knew that I was much more interested in, in sex and exploring sex than the people in my school. Or if they were interested, I didn't want them knowing. I didn't want to be talked about. I didn't want to be the subject of conversation right. or she did this. So if you kept it, and at that time, if you kept it uh, out of your city... You know, like these were guys I met that went to Berkeley High, or they went to San Francisco, and I was in San Leandro. Um, so, uh, and the chances of anyone in my school meeting any of these people were like extremely low. Right. So, no, um, it just meant that I could explore these things and um, and have an exchange, and these were the people that I dated. And um, and mostly, I just really learned a lot from them. I, I got ahead uh, scholarship-wise, uh, scholastically. Uh, even when I went to college and I went to music, um, I my boyfriend was a, someone that was in the master's program. And he, you know, taught me all about, you know, theory and new music and why this, this, these people were doing this in new music and these people were doing this in new music. Right. And he had these records, you know. And so these were our conversations, you know. It's like having your own private little tutor. And then you go out and you share what you know and people think that you're brilliant. So uh, when did you? So you were doing. You were very sexually explorative when you were younger. Yes. When did kink get involved in in your life? Well, there were things that I I did all my life that I didn't realize were kinky until somebody told me they were kinky. Like what? Um. Well, see, I grew up at a time where you um, you went outside and played with the people on the block. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids. You know. If you were done with your chores or you were done with school, you went outside and played. And we did, you know, uh, tag, jump rope. But we also did Cowboys and Indians. We did superheroes. Yeah. We did. And see, here's where, because we had Lewis Lane being tied up. We had Penny on Sky King being tied up. I was forever asking my grandmother for more jump ropes because I needed to tie them together so that I could be tied up. And I never could decide if I liked the guy that tied me up and teased me or the guy who came and rescued me. Yeah. You know, I, I liked them all. Now, but did you have any idea? Because I had something similar when I was a kid. I grew up on a farm. And for me, I, I, I would I'd love tying myself up. Daydreaming it was Wonder Woman tying me up, right? That was my whole thing. I would daydream that Wonder Woman was doing it. But she didn't do anything to me. She was like, all right. Now, in, in my daydream, she tied me up. She was like, all right, well, you're tied up and that's that's it. Then nothing happened after that because I didn't right. know what sex was. Right. Same it, thing with exactly. you. Exactly. Right. When you're a kid, it's the 
being tied up and you just know that you like that. Yeah. Um, uh, being bound up just, I don't know, makes me feel good. Yeah. Uh, I also knew that there were certain things that I did, like, um, this is so embarrassing. So, <laughs> I, so if I got like a mosquito bite or a bug bite, I would scratch it and I would take the table salt and I would rub it in. Oh, wow. Because I learned that, you know, it's like people, well, I grew up with my grandmother and they always are saying these things like, you know, that's really rubbing salt into a room. Right. And so you're like, well, what is rubbing salt into a wound, you know, feel like? Right. And so I did it and then I was like, oh, I really like this, you know, because it hurts. But I really like the way it hurts. So, <laughs> so you know, and I then you try and share that with one of your friends, right? And it becomes really clear, really fast that you are not going to share this yes. again. This did not play well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You 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 learn that okay. There are certain things that I need to keep to myself. Exactly. That I don't tell anyone else. Exactly. Right. At what point did the did the switch go and you go? Oh, this is this can be incorporated in sex, or this has this has this has an aspect of sexuality to it. Um, oh, the whole thing of when you're um, uh, well, you know, you get older and you're in college and and you're doing drugs, mushrooms, <laughs> and and all of a sudden you uh, bring up the whole role play and you're doing sex and. Um, yeah, so I had lots. I like to do the uh, father daughter, you know, sure, yeah. be my daddy, or um, and um, I would like to. Oh, I had some really, you know, even when I wasn't doing exploring that way, uh, I still would like to do things like uh, I would tell my boyfriend that I was at a bar and to come pick me up only. You know, like like he didn't know me. Right. Like, you know, just pick me up. And I would be there, you know, flirting with someone else. And I'd make him, you know, get my attention. Right. And, and I liked it because what happened is that it set it up for um, having sex like it was brand new. Not with someone that you've been with, but someone that you have just picked up. And right. you don't know their story and like that. You It suspends the... Um, the reality of it, or you're, you know, you're just someplace at a hotel, and you go, well, I'm going down to the pool, and I want you to pick me up, yeah, you know, and so that's the kind of thing that before I knew what kink was or you know, or anything like that, that's how I explored with my sexuality. Role play was a real good, you know, thing for that, right. or um, or wanting to be. Um, Tied up, tied up and have sex. I discovered that, you know, and your boyfriends discover too, you know. Tie up my wrists, hold them over my head, and oh boy, am I ready. (laughs) You're in for a good time, you know. Um, And I didn't know that that was anywhere considered kinky or anything like that. I liked I liked being all all fours and having guys you know grab my long hair. I had long hair at uh, the nap of the neck and you know slap you know my butt. And in fact, how I actually discovered someone that uh, brought me a collar and wanted me to call them master was um, that uh, I was divorced. I um, I had played with someone, and um, and just that you know where we had been, we had had rough sex, mm-hmm. and I had bruises uh, on my back, and I went to my chiropractor, and oh my god, he gave me like all this. How am I supposed to do my work? Yeah, you yeah. know when you look like this, you know, and the entire entire session was like that. And so finally, you know, we're done. I put on my clothes and I lean into him and I'm like, you know, the only thing wrong with the marks on my body are that I begged my partner to do that because I wanted it. It wasn't his thing. 
Now, if you want to tell me that I was bad and wrong and naughty, it's because I imposed what I wanted on someone else. Right. That was not probably the best. (laughs) (laughs) What did your chiropractor say? Um, He was the one who started calling me. And he was the one, he, he didn't, get, I was actually in a relationship with him for like six years. Oh, wow. He was the one that, uh, yeah, tied me up 50 million ways, tied me to chairs, you know, wax play, anal play, things stuffed in your butt, you know. Adjusted your neck, you know, the right. whole thing. Right, and, and then, it, you know, on Monday after the weekend, you got adjusted. There you go. <laughs> so again, another win-win. Another win-win. There you go. So how did you find a community? How did you find out that there was a, a, a kink community out there? That didn't happen until um, my chiropractor and I broke up. I actually, you know, and I didn't know how to use computers well enough to actually type in caller. Right. Or I couldn't even say the word master for the first two years I knew him. I said sir. Yeah. And all of a sudden there was this one day. I think it was about the same time that Madonna had that tune where she said master mm-hmm. on it. You know, and I finally I could form my, my mouth around the word. And um, but so we broke up. And uh, being a single mom, uh, basically... I thought that I had met this extraordinary person and it was the only person in my entire life I was ever going to meet like that. And, you know, now I was going to have to go back to sex as I knew it before. I was devastated. I was like, God, my my life is over. (laughs) But... um, but you know you you have you have kids to raise, so right. you you suck it up right. you know, and, right. you, and you do it. So there was a guy that I was dating, and it was like midnight, and we were having sushi, and he was like, "Ugh, I have to call on this client." He made um, he was like the. Uh, what do you call it? The coordinator of a whole shop that did neon signs. Um, I think you call them neon sign shop coordinators. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Matt, it's midnight. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, they're just going to start getting going. And I was like, okay. So, so we go. And this was my first introduction to, he took me to a goth bar. And we hop out of his truck. And Matt tells me I put like the death grip on him. And uh, and said something like, do not leave me in here. Because all I could see were the people that were actually standing out on the street, right. smoking their cigarettes. And I'm like, these guys are freaks. Okay. Because <laughs> I was a family girl. Sure. You know, and a young mom and, and never seen anything like that before. Sure. So we go in and everybody's very nice. And Matt is, you know, a celebrity. And... Um, and we're introducing, and I'm actually meeting these people, and I'm, I'm noticing that they, they dance alone. I haven't met, gone to a place where people could dance alone and nobody bothered you right. since I was in high school. Right. <laughs> and we go out to the, um, oh, we're having a drink out on the patio. And he's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, you know, I think these people have seen Clockwork Orange one too many times. But... They seem okay. <laughs> so the thing is, is that you get to know them, and they're just really, really cool. However, we then went back inside, and I was standing there, and all of a sudden, it was like the whole crowd parted, and there was this tall man with this bag that went walking up to the stage with his flowing curly red hair and the curtain opens and there's this great big cross and all of a sudden there's this line of girls that are going up there and they're getting flogged and paddled and I'm like oh my god I've hit them on the moon yes 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 these are my who knew? Right. You know? And so it clicks right there, right? Right. All of a sudden, uh, that was basically it. That um, I was master entropy. And from master entropy, I then found out that there were other clubs um, that 
the goth clubs had what you they called like slap and tickle parlors where you could get you know flogged and and spanked they were like introductory places and then if you were more serious there were private clubs like the Laird de Sade in LA and um so basically that 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 was that was how I found and LA is not like the rest of the world there a lot of the people there as good play good people a lot of the people there are into performances yeah. though because there are all these goth clubs with the slap and tickle parlors and they have a performance at midnight so there are families that are centered around performing you know and so basically i hung out there i you know found out about play uh how i found out about pony play was that before Master Entropy would play with me, I had to fill out this, like, 10-page playlist that I didn't know what half these things were. And one of them was Pony Play. So I had to contact him and say, you know, what, what is this? I don't know what this is. And he explained it to me. And he goes, well, if you don't know what Pony Play is, you've never read... Anne Rice's Beauty Trilogy. And I was like, and who? Beauty what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so not only did I have then a 10-page, you know, playlist to fill out, I then all of a sudden had this stack of books that were assigned to me to read before I could ever play. Mm -hmm. I was like, God, this is like school. Yeah. (laughs) Which is actually, even though you were probably disappointed that you couldn't just jump in and play... That's probably the better way to be introduced to it, right? Is just for someone to say, okay, yes, here, now here's what you're getting into. Because I know a lot of, especially women who, uh, when they're first getting in the scene, they don't know, you know, they, they might think it's something completely different because they read a, a, a steamy novel on it. And then when they get into the scene, they're like, oh my God, I had no idea. I was very, you know, I've always been very fortunate. Um, not only, you know, Master and Pete is very brilliant. You know, smart man, but very responsible. So here I had a person who my introduction into actually knowing the words and being educated, you know, so here I had this experience where I I had played and done things. But now I had someone who was going to um, give me a real foundation to build everything on. Now, I had to read all the books and fill out this list and do all of this before, you know, I got taught, I think my first lesson was uh, the protocols of different slave positions. positions. Yeah. What happened to Matt? So you you meet this guy. What happens with Matt? You you say, okay, so long, sucker. (laughs) No. Well, Matt and I, um, you know, relationships have arcs. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. As soon as you saw the cross, that was the end, apparently. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't for a long time. Um, I just wasn't uh, exactly what Matt wanted. Sure. It worked um, out for you. Yeah, it worked out for me. I moved on. You know, in hindsight, if you think about it, everything works out for yeah, everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, so you, you, you're with this guy. He's showing, teaching you about, you, you read the books. And what do you think of the, the Anne Rice books when you read? Well, that was the other thing is that not only did I have to read them, but um, so we did a lot. I, you know, also I was a single mom. A lot of my play or my time was in phone calls. Yeah. Um, so it would be asking me, um, what did I think about this? What was my favorite part? What did I not like? What did, you know, um, a lot of time like that. I suppose, and and that probably gave you a lot more time to kind of explore in your mind before you jumped into something too, right? Oh yeah. But it also, like I said, it also appealed to that thing of me where I'm like really attracted to a person's mind. Yeah. You know, and so, and if it isn't working out on that level, then I would have been gone. Exactly. (laughs) So again, it worked out pretty So So it worked out, you know, really, really well. And then, um, no, he, um, 
basically i i got to a point where i wanted to have a relationship uh i wanted to be someone's you know girlfriend lover you know you want it all you want yeah, yeah. the whole you want the package sure sure and um i still play with uh, master entropy we're, we're the best of friends he's still someone very very important to me um you know one of those people that you just will always love that's awesome and um and i you know went off to try and find the package right and so there were different explorations in that so at what point do you do you find pony play i mean you obviously you, you read it in the books but did, did something strike with you when you read it right away, um, or was it not until you saw it? No, actually, it wasn't until um, I did um, I did a photo shoot for Ken Marcus, and he, he and I were going to do pony play. And it took me a long time to put together, you know, the stuff. I had to, first of all, get those there was a magazine called Equus Eroticus. Mm-hmm. And I had to get that and study it. And I tried going online. And uh, I can't tell you the number of Yahoo groups that wouldn't accept me. I was nobody. Nobody knew who I was. I, I was, you know, nobody had heard of me. You know, I was somebody, you know, just trying to join and find out. And it was pretty exclusive. It wasn't... Um, there wasn't a fet life, or there wasn't a group that you could go on to and say, "Hey, I'm new to pony play. Where are the links to yeah, buy the yeah, gear? Right. <laughs> you know? How do I get started? How do I do this?" It was, um, it just wasn't that easy. I, I actually, and it was actually in putting, trying to put together the gear to do a photo shoot that. And, and and I'm thankful for those people that turned me down because what happened was I really had to dig in. And it occurred to me that it wasn't just geared to people. It was There was something here. There was something I was missing that I needed a piece here that wasn't in the picture. What, what was you that? Know? Um, basically that it's not just a model wearing tack. Right. That there's actually a whole play. And um, for some people, it's just um, being very, very bound and, and how they, you know, put things together. There's different levels of pony play. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I drove 550 miles from Los Angeles to Starkey's Diner in San Francisco <laughs> because there was a group called Stampede. Oh, wow. And that was where I met um, Pony Mistress Rebecca. And uh, she said that she would train me, that she would, you know, I could I could learn to be a pony and what it was to be a pony and, and everything about that. And so I... Um, yeah, I drove 550 miles quite a lot (laughs) to go see Rebecca and, uh, and do my pony play. And she took me out to park and for two years I was a cart pony and we went to different parks and, um, and we would do our pony play. There's even on, yeah, you can do it in a park because you're, you're wearing a, this isn't um, this isn't nudity in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. This is a um, a cat suit, and there's harnesses on, and there's a bridle and bit, you know. But on a flat trail, you can take. And there's even on Yahoo, uh, I found later um, people that took our video while I was going around with Rebecca. And there there's little bits, you know. They show up as. I have no idea what this is, you yeah, know, right. but, but I took a picture of it. Here's the video. Here you are. So when you first started, was it just you and her? You and Rebecca? Would, yeah. When I first started, it was uh, Rebecca and I. There were the people that did the, um, the stampede. I was taken to, like, my first uh, Folsom Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could go early in the morning before it got crowded. And so that was my first public, you know, 
of doing pony play, and there were other ponies there, uh, doing a pride parade in San Francisco. Um, and did anyone stop you when you were when you were doing it, like in a park, and just you know, a police officer? Right, what's all this then? You know, I just imagine some sort of uncomfortable explanation that you have to give them. And you're not breaking any laws, of course, but uh, did that ever happen to you when you were first learning about it? You know, I've only had like really, really positive experiences where, um, and also the thing about my being a pony, especially when I was with Rebecca, is that I would be so gone into being a pony that my recollections are probably not, I'm not the the best objective person here (laughs) to ask. What I remember is seeing children all of a sudden get down on all fours and be ponies. And... Uh, I've never, never when I was a pony with Rebecca, did we have, um, I don't remember any bad, it, Rebecca would have handled that, right. you know, and she had a huge whip in her hand, <laughs> you know, right. so, right. and that was argue. basically to keep people away from me, Yeah, you know, she was always, I never had to worry, Yeah, you know, she, and the people that I have had, that's the thing, is the partner that you have when you're doing this, the trainer, the handler, that's their job to protect you. Just like a handler and trainer, you know, protects their own horse or protects their submissive in the BDSM role. That That's what they do. So uh, my recollections are just of all these wonderful experiences and of being a pony. And, and you never want to stop. You know, you can be dead tired and you don't, want that bit to come out of your mouth it's like horrible i don't want to stop (laughs) you know (laughs) and um it's sort of equal to being a submissive and you're having this great great time and your partner stops playing because every single piece of your skin has been marked and they have to and you don't Mm -hmm. want to (laughs) i'm curious because is it do you experience a a type of uh sub drop afterwards Obviously, it's it's going to be different for everyone. Um, There are times when I've done it, and I have to be very, very careful with the ponies that I play with. Mm -hmm. Because I do um, events like Leather and Lays in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's like in March. And so we'll have a day where we do uh, cart play Mm -hmm. and a long-distance cart race. We'll do a, a day of Western. We do a day of English hunter, jumper, and dressage. And we also, during the afternoons, we might do like some show pony routines and and things like this. And for a lot of people, they don't get to play a lot. And so now they've had this experience of being a pony, being a pony, being a pony, being a pony. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, I had one of the ponies, um, Ebony Midnight, I went to take off her um, bridle and she started crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have to, yes, it can be. It, it's it's very, um, they don't want to stop. And you have to hold them and you have to be very careful with them and, and get their mentality to let their pony go running off into a pasture. And, and it's not a kind of play, especially for people that go into the headspace of being a pony, Uh you have to be the aftercare is like really really important mm-hmm. um pony play is very involved this is not a i learned how to flog i can flog anybody yeah pony play every pony is different uh the dynamics of your relationships are different how they react is going to be different just like every um dog that you've had a pet is different yeah you know it's it's really no different, and uh, the depth, what really, really attracts me to this play is the depth of deep love that you achieve, even if your play is non-sexual, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, just, <laughs> it's just the deep, good love that you, that you exchange there. I, I want to say right now, instead of just saving it until the end, uh, you've, you've written a book about it. 
Yes. Uh, and it's called Pony Play. Pony Play with Submissan. Uh, this is just, it's, uh, it's amazing because there are, who knew that, I mean, I didn't know that there are so many versatile subjects. And Pony Play seems to be very, it's such a niche area that clearly you thought someone needs to write sort of a how-to book on it. Well, what happened was that in my doing Pony Play, Rebecca and I, um, Rebecca and I went and got a leather title in Pony Play. There was a contest and yeah. we entered and we won. And uh, what our platform was, was that we were going to bring Pony Play to the BDSM community because it seemed like there was like pony players mm-hmm. and then there was the leather people, the yeah. leather community. And there wasn't at that time, at that time you did not have um, like Thunder in the Mountains has a great big pony area in their dungeon. Well, that was not the way that it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went around to, um, oh gosh, Black Rose, Thunder in the Mountains, um, all kinds of events talking about pony play, just, you know, the basic Pony Play 101. Yeah. And um, and I did this for the last four years. And so the book is a culmination of those classes and courses and presentations that I did. Uh, also, my own Pony Play grew a lot. Uh, Rebecca moved to Sweden. And so I was there in L.A. And I had this extreme fetish that I had <laughs> and, and a uh, an interest in, and spent a lot of time in and, and so I was like well gee you know uh, and one of the things I also said was that I wanted to develop pony play in Los Angeles yeah. and so I developed the LA Pony and Critter Club and um, so the the book the book grew out of all of my experiences of uh, of my experiences of growing on the side of being a pony, the ex- my experiences. I had to teach myself how to rein. I was not a horsewoman. Yeah. Um, I got one of those books on long lining and I had a volunteer pony and we went out to a field and I went page by page and taught myself how to do this so mm-hmm. that I could then teach other people how to do this. Yeah, yeah. And so it isn't, pony play isn't something where you have to be a horse person. And, or, you know, obviously I'm not, and I'm really there. Right. <laughs> and um, so, uh, oh gosh, it, um, and the th- other thing that you learn about pony play is there isn't any one way to do it. There isn't any right way to do it. And there certainly are a lot of different uh, aspects to it. There's there's not only like the, like, there's what we call rubber ponies. Like there's rubber fetishists, but they do all of their gear in pony gear. There's leather fetishists, so they do it all in leather. And what they really like is being bound up and and being in it and maybe they have a partner and um maybe there's uh sexual exupes that they do with it um the pony play that appealed to me i was a cart pony for a long time but um i really got into the dressage and the training because um this is not a uh this is not a lazy dom sport (laughs) (laughs) you have to um, you have to be engaged. It is a, a bay command, bay command, bay command. There's it appealed to me just like music and learning my flute, learning an art, um, because you then can take it to this area of performance of art, where you learn the basics and you practice together and you have this muscle memory, and then all of a sudden you just release you're not thinking about how to perfectly do a counter or how to perfectly do a high step but you release into this thing where your um your trainer it gives you a cue and you just do it and all of a sudden you're doing this ballroom dance you're moving about the arena totally different than um i take this elbow i move it here i take your your headspace is different. It's 
it's just on quite, autopilot kind of thing, right? Right. It it's part of you. The movement's part of you. The uh, the working together. You know, I want you to do this now. I want you to do that now. I want you to go here. I want you to turn here. I want you to do a flying lead change. Mm -hmm. You're getting all of these cues and you're being taken around. And it's great to um, you know it's a submissive. There's that freedom of where you're not thinking. You're just Obeying, yeah. Obey, 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 obey. Yeah, it's yeah. a release. You're, 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 you're right. You're, you're free in that moment because there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else there. going on. You know that that's all that you are. Uh, so I got really into that. Um, there's so there's the emulating of different types of you know bio pony play. Uh, there's the English. That you can do. And then there's the whole Western. And they're so fun. You know, because they're not so much about grace as they're about uh, pole bending, barrel racing. This is about taking a horse that has to cut out cattle or sheep or a working horse. Well, so I, grew up, I grew up around cattle and horses. Uh-huh. And you know, I went to quite a few rodeos growing up. I participated in a few. Mm-hmm. I had no... Every time I've ever seen pony play, it's always been the very uh, militaristic, I don't know what you call it, the English, or I don't know what, Mm -hmm. with with pulling the cart and and that type of thing, where it's very, you know, it's marching, it's very strict, very dedicated, and it's very regal, right? Uh Uh-huh. But they have the Western kind, too, where they just... Bolting to try to go catch the cat. No, exactly. Yeah, uh, this last year, this last year, uh, if we could get a calf, we would. Oh, okay. You know, if we had a cow, to get, <laughs> we would. Do you, you'd have to get like? Would, no, would you get a real calf? Or would no, you get we a- would get a person right. that would be playing a uh, a calf. Sure. Absolutely. I don't carry people. See, that's a difference too. There are some people who actually carry people mm-hmm. on their back. Um, I had a pony that uh, had me, I was the trainer, I was the handler, and I got on her back, mm-hmm. you know, to train. It's very intimate. You're there and your legs are wide open. Your pussy is right up there against, you know, her back. And you're there and you're riding and it's it's very intimate. Yeah. And it's a very different experience than being... Uh, four feet back with lines yeah. that you're controlling. Uh, the whole Western play is a very different feel to it. So I've really gotten into um, this last year trying just different different aspects. Being a Roman pony pulling a chariot. Um, there's a lot of work you know, involved is, is there. This what you mean when you said there's different levels is this what you mean by the different levels, different styles? Or do you mean there's also like different degrees of intensity? There's different degrees of intensity. And there's also a different aspects that people take. Some ponies, you put the bit on and they go into being a pony. They go into what we call pony headspace. Mm-hmm. There's also, and it's more like the graphic novel kind of pony, where they're a submissive who has been forced to be a pony. I read this really sexy graphic novel where it was um, it was a country and everyone that didn't vote for the political leader that came into power turned into ponies. And then there was this huge gathering up of all the ponies and they were converted into work ponies, you know, that pulled this and did mm-hmm. that and did that. Um, I guarantee someone's going to email me asking what the name of the graphic novel is. Do you remember what it was called? I don't know. It wasn't sure even mine. It was like my girlfriend had it. And right. I was like, oh, my God, look at this. <laughs> right. You know? Um, so, uh, yeah, these things are these things are out there. Uh, it's more the – there's an artist, Michael Manning, who does a lot of artwork that's more in this line of the um, – obitrodden um suffering um human you know that being made, to, being like made to being made to this is the other thing is that you if you have this um a 
pony that's in this headspace, it's the first time that you can do uh, humiliation play. You can't humiliate an animal. Mm. You know, that's why we have all those pictures of dogs and cats with funny hats and things on. Right. You know, because, you know, they don't. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't make them feel bad. Right. Um, just like, uh, but if you have a human who is being forced to, then there's a whole lot of other play. Sure. The other dynamic of play that I've really gotten into is like veterinary play. And um, the, the objectification and, and this is where, this is the, the point where I have first now explored sexuality with, with my pony play is in the veterinary and grooming play. So how does, because I, I, whenever I've seen it, I've seen pony play at some events, but mm-hmm. it's usually just, it's the chariot and, you know, and, and it looks great and it looks like they're having fun, mm-hmm. but I've always wondered where's the sport is, it, obviously not everything has to have sex in it. In fact, I can't speak for everyone. I know that, um, obviously one of the most uh, direct ways that you can involve sexuality into pony play is that you can do a consensual breeding scene if you have players at all two you know horses. like right, right two, two horses ponies, yeah. two ponies you know like that so that that's the that's the easy way out right. right for me um what happens is that it's it's only been because i have ponies that i've played with that i feel very connected to mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like I was doing the veterinary scene and I, or I knew I was going to, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to reward them for everything that they've given me. I wanted my pony to feel really, really good. Mm -hmm. And so I dumped my Itachi into my, into my groom bag. (laughs) And, um, and all of a sudden you know, in doing that and doing like the veterinary play and you're making sure that the the breasts and the nipples work so that, you know, your pony's going to be able to uh, feed, right. right, their baby, right? Sure. Or you're checking out the vagina uh, or the cock to make sure that all the things are going to, to work well. Sure. And and so I've always found, though, that at that point, if I take the Itachi or I take different things and I start making this area feel really, really good, I then am going to be able to put on the really, really lubed up gloved hand and go into the anal cavity. And do, you got to do a thorough examination. i got to do a thorough examination. Right. It's just not the same. Uh, also, about this point, I get very, very overwhelmed for me. Um, I get a real heavy top high because I have someone who's letting me do this, yeah. you know, and and just rolling over uh, and submitting to all of this. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I know that there are other ponies. That as soon as you start doing the anal cavity, there are ponies who could do like a whole lot with the anal. I, I tend to do. You know more of the the hand. Uh, I have usually a beautiful um, tail butt plug. Mm-hmm. Most of the pony play that we do is with the tail on a harness. It's hanging. Mm-hmm. It's not inserted. And so when I'm doing this play, I'm going to be putting the butt plug and the tail in, and then I'm going to take their. Um, their reins and so that they can feel like the swishing of the tail and everything. But before I'm concluding there and taking them off to like feel that, uh, no, I get pretty, um, pretty in there. I like girls and I like guys. We've already discussed my liking cock. So, (laughs) um, and I like girls just, just as much. So you've, you've been on both sides of the, of the reins. It yes. Like. Uh, yes. Do you, absolutely. Do you uh, do in, in, when it comes to uh, regular BDSM play? I don't know, regular, but you know, when it comes to traditional BDSM play, or do you switch there as well, or is it mostly just? Do you find the pony and handler is a special exception for you? I 
I've spent most of my exploration in BDSM as a submissive. Uh, now, I noticed that the more and more that I, you know, four years ago, I had to all of a sudden, you know, be a trainer mm-hmm. and, and train, right? How did that happen? You all of a sudden had to... Well, because I wanted to have my own club. Oh, and okay. so I went around to all the little clubs in L.A. Mm-hmm. and talked about pony play. And then we started having, you know, munches and we had play dates and we, you know, formed our little club. And... um and so everyone that was there, I had to share everything and teach them everything. Yeah. And then they went out and explored a little more and they brought, you know, and then there were some people who had done it a little bit, you know, differently. And and so then people like bring it in. But, but when you're forming something, like there was no, or it's like herding cats. Yeah. You know, I knew that in, in LA there were people that did pony play, but there was never anything cohesive there was never any you know like um let's have a show pony routine for the meet and greet at at domcon yeah Yeah, there is there is there is no cohesiveness here there was no um jamboree or derby day or let's have a fox hunt um so these are all things you can do once you have dogs and ponies and you know, critters right. and things like that. Um, pony is a place of being, absolutely. Yeah. But usually there's like this um, vision that you have of yourself as a pony. Now, you could be a My Little Pony. Right. You know, you could be a warrior pony. You could be a fantasy pony. You could be a breed of pony. I've gone from the fact of putting together um, putting together a look, and then I had to sit there with the book and figure out what breed of pony am I. How do you decide that? Um, you have to like look at like the characteristics of what you've come up with, and then you also have to look up the characteristics of the breed because different breeds um, have different. Um, Temperaments and temperaments and smartness. <laughs> you mind if I ask what what type you are? Um, beauty for the most part. That's your, uh, that's she, your pony right, name. right. My my pony name is Beauty. Um, pony Mrs. Rebecca gave it to me. So she's a Palomino. Okay. Uh, she's a thoroughbred. Uh, I've also uh, been in that I don't have a. I don't have a handler, Mm -hmm. uh, a trainer. I sort of got into, like, when I am with Mistress Lillian, I'm an Andalusian. Oh, wow. I started making up different styles and creations of beauty. I'm not like a Sybil pony where I have all these different personalities. I, I always seem to be beauty. Now, there are ponies that have, like, a zebra personality, right. and they have their... You know, draft pony and their war. They have different oh, wow. personalities that, that actually come is that out. Depending on their mood or what they're feeling at the time or who the person they're with, or all it of seems the above. to be just different. Like they're they're now a zebra and they have this wild, you know, untamed personality, and or they're now uh, a gray mare and they're much calmer and nicer, more right. obedient, and. You know, I've seen that. Me, I'm just always beauty. I just, you know, I'm more like the the fashionista pony. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there a stereotypical type of pony that that people are like? Uh, you gotta, you have a, you stay away from the unicorn, or you know, or or whatever, like whatever. You just you you take a special person to appreciate the unicorns because they're just so high maintenance, or you know, whatever. Is there is there anything like that that you're like, oh man, the zebras get a bad rap? No, no. no. We're, yeah. <laughs> as far as the pony community, like I said, it's just the most welcoming, most, you know, like, here's this, here's that. How do I get this? Um, Wouldn't it stand to reason that if there are people out there who vision themselves like as a specific type of pony, that there are also handlers out there who have placed, there's a handler who's placed an ad and says, listen, I'm really looking for an Arabian. If you're not an Arabian, don't even email me. Absolutely, there are. I know a woman in L.A. who wants a pony. 
Uh, so it has to be a pony that would be either be a draft pony, a strong pony. It has to come with a surrey with a cover on it that's going to pull her over. Right. And she's not going to do pony play until that pony shows up with the surrey with the cover that's going to pull her. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, okay. Sure. Yeah. You, know, right? you know, you know. And there's probably, I guarantee there's a guy... There's a guy out there right now that's going to L.A. with his surrey with a cover-up. Because I'm sure there's a guy out there, listen... I'll be any kind of pony you want. Just fucking play. You know, let's just, you know, I, I need someone to play with. So, so he's like, I'll be any kind of pony you want. She's awesome, by the way. I'm sure. She's a great player. No, it, it, there's all kinds of things that be doing pony play encompasses. Mm-hmm. The things that I talk about in my book are what I explore. I talk about cart play. I talk about dressage and how to move with four hooves. Um, I talk about vet play. Um, I talk about, um, hunter jumper. I talk about being a BDSM pony and from the space of being a submissive, um, you know, a human forced to be pony as opposed to, uh, the other. These are things that I've experienced. I have something to say about, I have something to share about in that way. Um, a lot of us are into the tack and the bondage, and the this is the other thing. Uh, domesticated horse is a life of bondage. They're born in a stall. Yeah, they're kept in a corral. I don't care how big the area is. Bondage is bondage. Yeah, yeah. And we should say for those people who don't know, tack is is all of the like the the saddle, the the bridle. The uh, like we wear very tight corsets for our saddles. You can't have saddles. Saddles happen to cost more. Is right, it, right. is sure. the thing? So so not a lot of us all have saddles, right. you know. But we um, but you can very easily put together. I've even you know I went to go do a demonstration and a class, and I had mailed. I had put in a box and mailed my gear mm. and my stuff. And it didn't arrive, and so I'm. I've now I'm there, and I have nothing. So I actually went to the tax store. I, you know, got a bit. I went over to the um, material. I got ribbon right. and um, and some. They're the the snap clips, like on your um, backpack. Yeah, you know, and uh, needle and thread. I, I sewed. A bridle with a bit, you know, with a bit. Yeah. I sewed that together. I sewed a harness together. Right. Um, in order to do my class, I had to like create everything for it. Because it's the, the stuff is, I imagine, very expensive. It can be. Yeah. You know, it's the other Did it thing. Cost that I, most of it? Um, one of the things I talk about in my book is that I give you diagrams and instructions on how to do pony play on a budget. Ah, nice. And create it. Says, you know, if you're just starting out, you don't know if this is what you want to do, exactly. right? And so these are all the things that I made when I had to make something. Yeah. The other thing is that sometimes you're going to do, like I did Pony Express on the playa at Burning Man. And you don't want to bring your, you know expensive horsehair uh, head stall and tail out to the playa where it's going to get filled with dust. Right. You know, you make it, uh, or at least that was my choice, was I actually, you know, I made my my bridle, I made uh, the reins, I think, or I got a, um, a set of leather reins that I didn't, you know, they weren't my dressage reins, yeah. okay? And uh, and my tail was made out of yarn. So that at the at the end of the week and I loved this pony outfit. I mean it, it was it was dear to me, but it that way the dust didn't get in the way of my pony play. Yeah. You know, so there's things like that. It doesn't have to be expensive. Can it be expensive? The Fury Fantasy head that I, you know, definitely want to get with, that actually has the bit inside. So it's a huge horse head. Yeah. It looks like a horse. It has the bit so that it goes inside my mouth mm-hmm. so that I still can be reined and fill the cues sure. on my mouth, which is how 
my experience and my training is, it's like $2,000 wow. for that one. That's a top of the line, you know, with the That's flowing mane. Right, right. And uh, you can get them that are much less. You can get like just the mini mask or something like that sure. for like five hundred. Still, it's, that's, that's a that's lot not of nothing. money. That's not nothing. It's not nothing. Yeah. You know, we all in in all things that you do. There's the twenty five dollar flogger at Hustler, or there's the really nice, well balanced, well made. Right. You know, flogger that even has your emblem, right. you know, carved into the handle piece. Exactly. And, you know. Is there, a, uh, this is one of the few times when I don't know anything about the kink, but yet, since I grew up with horses, I at least I know the vernacular ahead of time there. So, and they're like, this is amazing. Like, I know what a bridle is, where someone else might be Googling it even as we speak. But there's, uh, one of my earliest experiences with pony play was at uh, Floating World. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember seeing uh, it was a woman, a, f- a female pony, I guess you'd say, and she was blindfolded, mm-hmm. and she was pulling a chariot and navigating all the way through, you know, without seeing, obviously, navigating through the 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 little market area of Floating World and going mm-hmm. through. And I was just absolutely amazed by that. This is like one of the most, you know, oh my god, uh, moving moments. Of being a pony uh, is doing the blindfold cart obstacle courses. Right. I have those in my jamboree. Uh, I first did it at an event. It was called Central Texas Kink. It's no longer, and it, they don't hold it anymore. No. But uh, so ours was uh, done actually in a pasture with like holes from gulf, you know, gophers right. and, and snakes all sure. around. And um, and you had to be blindfolded, and uh, Rebecca had to go around and collect these flags in a certain order, and you got more points if uh, if you ran, you know, like if she told you to run, you ran, right. you know, blindfolded, and um, it is the leap of faith yeah. of pony play you have to, trust, to, right? to do this where you like just hand it all over because you can't even autocorrect. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> there's no, there's nothing except following the, um, so we do it, uh, in the LA, uh, pony and critter club. We do it as an obstacle course with, um, piles of cardboard bricks we have to go around and hurdles you know that we go through and poles that we you know bend and navigate through we do it with the cart um it's just a great experience it's also a great experience on the other side of being um some ponies it's like i'm like really up close i've like got my reins down to being about four inches long and i'm practically on their back you know taking them around but then you also have that other pony you have a pony fury so strong and proud and out there and when i put the blindfold on her to do the blindfold obstacle course well she didn't step any different or do anything different. Right. She was going. Right. And I, oh, such a rush. Right. It was such a rush to have somebody with all of that faith and trust in you that, you know, it was like, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You sound exactly like the people I know who are really into horses. They have horses and they're just like either in their rodeo or, or whatever. Most of my friends who have horses are rodeo people. And uh, you, 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 the way you speak about your ponies is exactly the same way they speak about their horses. It's I, really I've been told that. I've had people... Um, I remember that we just did the pony show at DomCon, and I was I was done with it. And I had a couple people that came up with like, oh, you, you're such an experienced horsewoman. You know, the way you're talking to them and the way that you're... You know, that, that's the advantage, I think, of being a pony first was that there was a way that I was handled and talked to and what really worked for me. And so coming, you know, it's the same thing of being the submissive and knowing what something feels like. And then you do, I do topping service, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and I really enjoy it. 
where um, I'll have a submissive tell me I want to experience this and this and this and this. And then we do that with vigor. And I actually will stand there not stimulating myself, not touching myself, but because I so know what that feels like, I will come. Right. You know, so here, you know, um, just out of the empathy. Right, yeah. (laughs) And the, oh, this is so cool. Um, Yeah, I guess it's just, for me, the natural relationship that I have with my ponies. I'm very, very, I adore my ponies. That's It's pretty incredible. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about it. This has been really fascinating. I'm sure I could probably ask you a thousand more questions. That's, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, is there a website if, that people can, uh, can contact you if they have any questions? Or Obviously, you can go to Amazon and get the book. You go to Amazon.com, put in Pony Play with Submiss Anne. Mm-hmm. I'll have a link on this, on and this they'll, episode. Too. And they'll uh, be able to get the book. My educational website is called Ask Submiss Anne. We'll have a link to that as well on this Great. episode. Thank That'll you so wonderful. much. This was so much fun. Great. Again, uh, her book is called Pony Play with Submiss Anne. It's on Amazon. And you can find a link to it on Massacast.com. Also, a link to her website. All that stuff is right there. Massacast.com. And uh, thanks again for all those donations. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>